Have you ever had a mess to clean up? Now, Nick's not there yet, but someday he will have a huge mess to clean up. You know those times when babies get into things they shouldn't get into and they have it all over the place and or they scribble on the wall or they may color in the carpet or, or just whatever. But I want to talk to you about a different kind of mess that little babies make. And uh, I'm sure we've all had the joy of cleaning those up, haven't we? Well, I have a little granddaughter. Her name is Sophie. And I've thought so much about Blakely, but I've just been blessed to not have to clean it up. I could go into a lot more detail of the stories I hear of it scattered all over the room. But I'm going to go into, I'm going to talk to you. It's kind of gross about the first few minutes here. But I want to talk to you. I told my wife before I had this message together, I'm saying, I'm going to tell you now. So don't correct me. I start talking about, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, but Sophie's little. She's uh, um, almost two, uh, but, uh, a year and a half old. She'll be two in October. And, uh. And so she doesn't really know a whole lot. She knows some things, you know. But one thing that she know, does know is when she gets a sticky substance in her diaper. And, and the other morning she was at the house, I had to take her uh, to Miranda's. And uh, I just happened to open the door and walked in, and she looked at me. She goes, she had found it in the back of her diaper. It was amazing. Now, I know this is going to be graphic, and it's just, Kind of gross, but there's a point in it, believe me. Um, she, she sits and looks at me. She goes, oh, sweet, yeah. <laughs> so I did what every dad does. Mon no, I didn't say Wanda. I reached in. Uh, I picked her up. And I had her look like, uh, at this, and I made sure there was none scattered around the, the playpen, you know, on the walls or anything else in there. And she was really good about it. She just got her hands in there and took them out, and she's trying to get it off. So I did like any dad would do. I take her to the bathroom like this. You know, you keep them arm's distance. I don't know what it does to us, but something about it. When we don't like something, we and she stunk. Oh, it was horrible. Anyway, I took her into the bathroom and I said, and I got some toilet paper and tried to clean it off first. No, no, toilet paper has its job, but that's not one of them. And uh, <clears throat> so I set her on the floor and it's just okay, and. Then I dropped her diaper, and I found the source. And uh, so I got her cleaned up and all on the floor and there. And after, there's still some little chunks, you know, around places. And, and I ran the bath water, and I ran some bath water, and I put her in the bathtub, and I got her halfway cleaned off. And then I had to drain the tub. You know what I mean? You have to drain the tub to get the mess down the tube. And so it went down, and, and then I restarted it again. This time I bathed her and washed her hair. And, it was a bad experience. <clears throat> Let me go to my notes now. <clears throat> a diaper movement. Quiet. I was just, she was quiet. She should have been up by now. And so I went in there. She was sticky. The toilet paper wouldn't get it off. And it didn't matter how. But you know, one thing about it with her, it didn't matter how hard she tried to get it off. It couldn't come off. Even though she only reached back in there a couple of times. And she sat here like this. It wouldn't come off. She made a mess that she did not have the ability to take care of. She didn't have the ability to take and get it washed off and ate off or, or anything else. She, I just had to throw that in. Uh, she, <clears throat> she didn't have any other way to do it. So she had to do what all the babies do, like uh, Blakely. She has to throw it all over the room and all over the bed and things. And she yells for mommy. Eventually, her mommy just finds it from the smell or whatever. But it takes somebody else with more experience than her. 
get the nest cleaned up. And oh, how will all of us understand that? And if we don't understand it, that's what we're going to talk about today. Psalms chapter 51, if you go in your Bible. I tried putting in my notes Wednesday on my iPad. Oh, I actually never found it, and so I decided to stay more primitive this morning. But uh, it's amazing how we, we have a tendency to, to live with our mess and have a tendency to live with it. And we stay with our mess, and we may think it's too big, it's too ugly, it's too whatever it is. And, and so we stay there in it, and the thing is, it doesn't get any better. doesn't matter who you are, it will not get any better the way it is. doesn't matter what it is. I could go into a lot of things that we have problems with, but I'll get into in just a few minutes. But you go to... Psalms chapter 51, and we all know the story of David and how David had uh, an immoral relationship with a lady by the name of Bathsheba. This isn't anything new. But what's new about it is that we need to realize that any mess is in our life. And it can be a variety of things, and I'll get to those in a little bit. It, can, it will contaminate us, and it will mess us up, and we will never become what we should become. We will become stunted. We will become uh, a liability to ourselves if we don't have somebody step in there and begin to... Uh, relieve us of our messes. Psalms 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my, my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and have I done this evil sight. On the, thy mightest Thou mightest justified when thou speakest. Be it clear when thou judgest. Be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and, and in sin I was conceived, did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part thou know, thou, mm -hmm, hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I want to stop for just a minute, because what he was saying is from the beginning there is corruption. From the beginning when you were conceived, you were born. You were born in a sin. You have a sin nature about us that we can do nothing about. That we can try to get, a, get around it or make excuses for it, but there is no way around it. And because that sin nature it keeps us separated, we're always struggling with, our, with any kind of relationship with God. You see, that sin nature is, is something that was imparted to us way back in Genesis, and, and it just came, kept following generations after that. We can look in, in our family's life and look how it is either... Let me say this. You can look in your family and you can look at a place of repentance and you can see a big change. Or you can look at a place of, of lack of repentance and you see nothing but a complete mess. And that is, that is obviously, that's what happens. When we live in our, our mess long enough, when we live in our sin long enough, we, we allow it to become, take the, man, what, what would have happened? I'll, I'll be honest with you. There are some dads here and maybe some grandparents here that if they'd had a little girl in there that messed in her britches with playing with it, Wife, get in here and get this mess cleaned up. Now, don't take offense to this. This isn't part of my notes, but the wife was an excuse for him not to deal with a mess. And some of us, I have been in the middle of mess, little things, my whole life. But in your life, if you don't recognize your mess, 
and you let somebody else try to take care of it, try to patch it, try to make it better. You're being nothing but a, but a weak man expecting your wife to cover thee. From the beginning, I needed, my, I needed to be cleaned up. You know, we all come over, man, we can look in this room. We have a variety of things, and, and I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead, but um, I'm going to go back too. But I want to think about what is it that I can't be healed from? What is it that, let me just list some, some messes for you that may be in your life. And, and let me tell you, I know these are in here because I know us. And I don't want the depravity of our mindset when we sit in a certain way of living for long enough. Premarital sex. You may be involved in sexual activity outside of your marriage, but if it's it's active and it's, it's going on, it needs to stop. You cannot receive the blessing of God and working in your life if there's constant premarital sex. Homosexuality. Absolutely self-explanatory, self-explanatory. It's against the very nature of God. It's against the, the very, na- very nature of, of the way God instituted things. And I'm not saying these things out of condemnation and out of hatred. I'm telling you there's hope for your life regardless of whatever the situation is. And in this, as we go on here, it says uh, those who've stolen, those who've cheated, those who've uh, pornography, those who've drank, those who've done drugs, you've disappointed your family, you've had guilt, you've committed abortion, you can, you've anger, you, everything is fixed by his blood. And it's amazing how many times we are so afraid that somebody will find out, but we're not willing to do anything about it. So let's go back to the beginning. Verse 351, he says something that's pretty, very clear what he was going to. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions, and his sin is ever before him. If you've got sin in your life and it is dominating your life, you may acknowledge it and you may recognize it, and that's, that's the beginning. But it's always plaguing you because all you do is think about this reoccurring sin or this thing that's, 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 that's dogging after you. But David in himself, when he saw at this point, he said, my sin is ever before me. He recognized that it was the first time that, well, let's go back to the beginning. Y'all know the story. He, he was involved in Bathsheba. He was, up, he was supposed to be out at war, and he wasn't at war. He stayed at home, and he was up in the, the balcony, and he looked down and on top of a roof, and there was a lady taking a bath, and, and she was, uh, I guess it was moonlight or I don't know, something, but and he saw her taking a bath, and he, he had her come up to his apartment or to his palace, I guess you would say, and, and she came up there, and he had sexual relations with her that night, and she sent, he sent her back home, and, and then after a little while, she realized she was with what? With child. And she, he goes, oh my goodness, now what am I going to do? Now this is the thing. In the beginning, there was a plot, and there was, a, there was something about him, he, he stepped in or whatever you want to say, that he allowed to come in there to get involved with her. But then he began to really see the real nature of him because up until this point, he had never had his real nature tested. He was a man after God's own heart. He wrote Psalms. He wrote all these things. But up until this point was a point that it tested him. And guess what he done? He failed. Many times he failed. He, he's, first he thought, well, I'll get her husband to come home. He gets her husband to come home. He comes home from battle and, and the war going on. And he says, come home and be with your wife. And he has dinner with him and fixes all this food. But instead of going home, he slept that night on the steps of the palace. Why? Because he didn't feel like he had the right to go have relations with his wife and all of his counterparts are out there in battle. 
what would you say that there was a man of integrity in the army? He was not even from uh, Israel. He was, he was Hittite. He was a, uh, I don't know what you say, but he came into uh, <clears throat> the Jew, Jewish doctrine or belief because of his uh, denying of his stuff of the past. Okay, let me get rid of that. So then after he does that, <clears throat> David makes another plan. He goes, well, he sent a letter to the, the kings and to the leaders of the army. They go out and send him out and, and put him in the fiercest battle, in the heat of the battle. And he goes out and he puts him in the heat of the battle. And then when he get out there, everybody withdraw and run back from him and leave him out there so he would give what? He would kill. No matter what he done, he can never free himself from the sin he had. He had him killed. He had a, he had a baby and brought her in. Then he brought her into the palace. And then she had a child. And the child died. And, and just, have you ever noticed that when you live in a lifestyle that everything's going wrong? Everybody stay with me on this. If you're living with something going on in your life that is wrong, I don't have to tell you. Nobody else has to tell you. If you, will, David, get honest, you will see it that everything you begin to do, everything gets a little bit worse. A little bit worse. Now, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Have you ever been there? I know you have. And it's a miserable place to be because it never seems to make any, any progression of, of, of things getting better. It only gets worse because you're still trying to do it, do it on your own. Verse 7. Oh boy, I got lots of good ones. Purge me with hyssop and make me clean. If you know anything about hyssop, it was, my wife and I was studying it this week, and I said, you know what hyssop is? And I showed her what the plant is, and it's pretty common even around here. But it was a cleaning nature in it. It was its ability to clean things, and it was used for a lot of things. One thing was for cleaning. It was for deep cleaning. And he thought, well, let me just read this. Person with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of gladness and the bones which thou hast, the, thou hast may rejoice. Hast thy faith, hide thy face from my sins and block out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with, with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors. Did you hear that? Then I will teach transgressors their ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. And that was the blood guilt, the way he had, his, had Uriah, the Hittite, killed. O God, and the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of, the, of thy righteousness. Why, when we make a mess, do we have reasons to make excuses for why the things have gotten where we get? Because... Is that not what David did? After he made all these excuses for why he was living the way he did, he began to cast judgment. Well, let's see, if I can do this and do this. But then Nathan, we'll get, we don't get into that. But Nathan revealed the real matter. In verse 14, Deliverest thou from me my blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. Let me get to my notes. We tried to fix it, but we cannot. That's what David got to this place. See, David knew that because of his past experience that there was one place that, that brought him to a, 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 a healthiness, a, a, a complete understanding of a, a complete understanding of knowing who he used to be and how he used to be was the thing that he missed. 
The guilt of what he had ever been and what he had done has overwhelmed him. So he manipulated and tried to blame other people and other things, but in all reality it was him. It wasn't until somebody brought it to his attention. He was nonchalant about it, and, and Nathan one day come up to him and, and, and said what he said. You know, I'm going to do all that. I want to go to another place. Um, forgive me. My, my thoughts confuse and, and flee from me. Go to Romans chapter 8. I have 5,000 things running through my head that I can lay handles on, none of them, but it's okay. In uh, Romans chapter 8, there's a, a very important passage here that, you, that you've read many times. But you cannot live a fulfilled life as long as sin is dominating your concept, is dominating. You cannot. If any of those things I mentioned a while ago, if they're, if they're plaguing you, and, and I explained this a long time ago, and I've explained it a few times in between, but if you've got something in your life that has become iniquity, and iniquity is a, is, a, is a long time existence of sin, and it keeps coming up, it keeps coming up, it becomes iniquity, and it, it brings separation with you and God. If it's just something that every now and then, because I know that because of our sin nature that Satan will often tempt you with certain issues and things that happen in your life, and you may fall short, but there's something about iniquity living in it. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation. And this is where I was going to say all the things. But if you're no condemnation, it's that if you're honest and you're repentful, if you're honest and repentful, and there's a change that's going on, and you're, and you're really clean, you're honest before the Lord. These are the things that I, he can relieve you from. And it's exactly the same things that read earlier. Premarital, premarital sex. Thief. You're a cheater. Pornography. Homosexuality. Drinking. Drugs. Disappointment to your family. Guilt. Your abortion. Anger. And everything is fixed by his blood. But without his blood, there was nothing fixed. I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Do you ever feel trapped and it's never going to get better? You're always going to be the same. It's a reoccurring carousel. It's, it's because you can get by with it for a little while. And did you know that in some, well, some ways, even in your own willpower, you can quit for maybe a month? I've known people that can quit on their own just for a short time. But it's been long term that makes a difference. Go to Luke chapter 23. You know, Sophie will never remember. Sophie will never remember the mess I cleaned up. Never. But it was cleaned. What would she have been like for days to come if I hadn't cleaned the mess off of her? What if she continued to go around and put on clean clothes, put on a clean diaper, and cleaned her backside up but didn't clean her hands? What would have happened? We can look good on the outside, but it's the, the small intricate cleaning that the Lord does. There has to be a cleaning, a cleanup and more to come, more than we can ever pay back. Luke 23, and this is something I shared, I guess it was Wednesday night. Verse 39, and the one male factor 
which was railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the, answer, the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou fear God? Dost thou not fear God, seeing that we are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man doth nothing amiss. He said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, verily I say unto you, today thou shalt be with me in, in paradise. I've known people who have said that I'm too far gone, I'm too far lost, I can't do, nothing can be done for me. I remember a guy, a teen challenge, involved in homosexuality, he just felt that he was, he was condemned. You know what Jesus says? I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you because of what you've done, because of who you are, what you're known for. But I can forgive you. I can give you a different direction in your life. David struggled a lot of the years of his life because of his guilt, stuff that, stuff that he had imposed upon others, and things that he made miserable because of someone else. If I get, if you come back up. Mark chapter 5. There's going to be a lot of reading here, so just bear with me. And I came over on the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was coming out of the sheep, ship, immediately there came unto him out of the tombs a man with unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, had no, no, one could, no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he was often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had plucked asunder by him, and broken into pieces, and neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Let me ask you, why was he crying and cutting himself? You know what? Even in the worst places people find themselves in, they do not want to be there. They're miserable, and they're bound up, and they're ate up, and, and they're consumed with, with junk, and they don't want to be there, but they don't know any way out of it. There's only one way out. There's only one way out. And we're going to see here that Jesus was his only hope. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran to worship him, and he cried with a loud voice, What do I have to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said to him, said to him Come out of the man, for thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. You know, the scripture says that when, they, when demons would go out of someone, they would go out searching near places somewhere, somewhere to, uh, to dwell. And but I wonder what caused them, so many of them, to get in him. I wonder what caused him to get to this place. I wonder if he, like David, had drove himself crazy with the guilt of feeling, look what I've done in my past, look what I've done in my present, look what I've done. And then Satan goes and he brings a bunch along with him. Entered into that man. It may not be your case, but it's amazing to me how many people 
get consumed with things that they can't fix on their own. And he asked him, what is thy name? My name is Legion. He besought him that he would not send him to the country, uh, way out of the country. Now there was not at the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we, ent- we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and, t- and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. And they choked in the sea. Were these Jewish people that Jesus was dealing with? Okay, let me tell you how to tell this was not Jewish people. Swine was a big part of their economy. And if you know the Jews, they don't have any ties to the, to the pigs. And so the whole economy, a, a group of, of swine that cast out had a major effect. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and went out to see what was done. When they came to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil and he was le- and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. There's only one answer. This man is tired of being bound. He was tired of being consumed with his sin. Are you tired of your sin? I'm not, men don't think I'm pointing fingers at all. Zero. But you're tired of it. You're tired of things keeping you feeling guilty, keeping you down, taking you backwards. There's only one answer for you. There's one. And it sure ain't me. Neither is it anybody in here. It's getting clean and getting honest and, and being bold enough to ask for forgiveness in front of in front of us or whatever, but especially come up before the Lord and humble ourselves. Keep your heads, bow your head, bow your heads with me, please. This man had been a demoniac, a demoniac, or whatever you want to say, for quite a long time. And it was to the place that he was living in the tombs because nobody wanted to be around him. His family had given up. They used to love him and he used to love them, but because of Circumstances, he, he found himself isolated. But did you notice there's one thing that Jesus went out of his way to get his attention? And let me tell you this morning, this message may be chopped up a little bit, but Jesus has went out of his way to get your attention. Not the attention of anybody else, but you. But you. He loves you enough to tell you he loves you. See, it takes a, a, a scenario like this with a, a lot of people to gather this many that, and then for you to respond when he calls. God, I, God is calling your name. He's speaking to your heart. There's something there. It doesn't condemn you, man. He loves you. He's saying, come up here, and, come, and I'm going to give you some love, but I'm going to give you some answers. I'm going to give you your right mind. I'm going to give you your right frame of mind. I'm going to set you on a path that will direct the rest of your life. If you need to forgive yourself, if you need to forgive others, if you need to get this stuff out of your life and, and get things clean before you the Lord, this is the morning in which I ask you. If you're here this morning, there is anything that we've touched on that makes it rings a bell, may, it sounds like it fits you. There was a reason why this morning 
this message was for you. It's not for any, anyone else. It's not for me, maybe, but it's for you. And I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come. And uh, It takes a lot of boldness. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of determination. But get up out of your seat and come and find you a place to pray. Would you come?